It's really great to be here again and to just have fellowship with you and encourage you and be encouraged. And so thanks a lot. I, I want you to, if you've got your Bible or you've got your phone or whatever it is you bring your Bible on, uh, that you uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. You know immediately, most of you will know that this is the um, famous chapter in which Paul is talking to the Ephesians about them being engaged in a spiritual warfare. When, when God spoke to the Ephesian Christians through Paul, he understood that they were, because of their faith, they were going through a really hard time. They were going through persecution. They were being imprisoned. Some of them were being killed. Some of them were being betrayed by their neighbours and by their friends uh, as Christians. And the Romans and the Jews and others who were, there, who were the enemies of the gospel would come and... and take them and punish them so it was a hard place for people to be Christians by the way there are people being Christians in that same context today in countries around the world their faith costs them everything I guess that every time they come to God they need to see Jesus dealing with sin and Jesus being involved in the warfare against Satan, they need to understand that they're being called to the same thing. But when, when uh, he writes to them, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Before a soldier could be, could be strong and victorious in the Roman army, he had to be strong in his heart. He had to have a heart committed to the Roman Empire. He had to have a heart that was, was courageous in every sense of the word. He needed to be strengthened by his philosophy, by his beliefs, by his commitment to the emperor. If we as soldiers of the Lord are going to be strong, it's not so much about the armour we will wear, although that's great, but it's... What strengthens your heart? What is it that makes your heart strong? I've had the privilege over many years of watching the saints going through very difficult times and sometimes going through difficult times myself. And I know where the strength comes from. You know where it comes from? It comes from trust in God. It comes from the fact that no matter what else is around us, or how fierce and ferocious now the thing, other things look. The reality is that God is greater than all of that. And, and we know that, but to trust in it is a very difficult thing to do. To trust in it when everything else seems dark and oppressive and black is a very difficult thing to do. I sat with a man many years ago when I was a young youth pastor and this man had become my, my best friend 
And at the age of 35, he was struck down with cancer. And in an amazing way, God restored him for seven years and then he was struck down again. And this time, he, he died. But as I sat with this man, it was the first time in my life where I'd actually seen a Christian man, a man who'd taken his stand for Christ in business, has taken his stand for Christ in his family, had taken a stand for Christ in his community. It was the first time I'd seen a man like that dying. And I, I can never, ever forget it. I can never forget the faith that, that wrapped itself around this man. I can never forget the, the sense of triumph that he had as he faced death and as he took his last breath because his trust had never, ever ceased being in God. Now, we perhaps as a church are going through difficult things right now. We can look at the problems, we can look at the crisis, but we must look at God. We must look at the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his church. You're his person. Everybody here belongs to him. And right now, he can be trusted by you. He is the one who is fighting the war. The battle belongs to God. The armour belongs to God. The victory will ultimately belong to God. Can you understand that? It's really important. Now, now when I say that human beings are never our enemies, that it's always Satan, that's what the Bible says. He says, your enemy is the devil, right? Now, that has led to some, some false beliefs in the past, it, it's led to the saying, I didn't do it, the devil made me do it. <laughs> you know, so whenever we do something wrong, we blame the devil. Well, look, this is the truth. The truth is that Christians frequently sin against each other. It is it's true that sometimes we, because we don't resist the devil's temptation, say things that we should not say act in ways that we should not act in. And as a result of that, other brothers and sisters get hurt. And other brothers and sisters do the same thing, and they, they hurt us. But they're not the enemy. They're not the enemy. The hurt happened because the children of God did not resist the devil at the time they should have, gave in to their ego, gave in to their anxiety, gave in to their bad habits, gave in to their personalities and spoke out of that, acted out of that and wounded each other. Are they responsible or is the devil responsible? They are responsible. You are responsible. I am responsible for every time we hurt somebody by our words or our actions and and because we are responsible that's good news because the good news is that we have the power to change that so we come back to God we repent we confess we repent and we accept God's forgiveness but it is so important that we remember that in all of that 
Human beings are not our enemies. Satan is the enemy. Satan attacks the church. Satan is always seeking to bring the church down. He's always seeking to bring Christians down. He is the enemy. But, when, but unfortunately, when Satan is at work through those who do not resist the devil, then he wins victories in our lives. And when he does, we need to recognise that he is the enemy, not the other people. Uh, some of you know that when we went to Berwick Church of Christ back in 1996, the church had gone through this horrific, um, horrific conflict, just a huge conflict. It had, the church was about 400 strong in those days and by the time I got there, there was 240 people left. The others had gone. And there were families that had been torn apart by this conflict. Children, who, adult children who had stayed at the church while their parents had left. Parents who had stayed and their adult children had left. And they had become angry with one another. And there was an anger in the place and a pain in the place that was palpable. You know, you could feel it. There was like a dark cloud that hung over the church. And the very first Sunday that I arrived and stood in the pulpit, I thought, wow, you know, this was a bad mistake. Uh, what, what, what can change this? But as we spent weeks together, travelled along together, I made it my, my mission to visit everybody who had left the church, everyone who had gone, every family. And I'd make an appointment and I'd turn up at their house. Sometimes there'd just be two people and sometimes there'd be 20 people. They'd get all their friends there to give me a bad time. And uh, I heard their pain. But I heard them blaming people for it. They blamed the elders. They blamed each other. They blamed leaders in the church. They blamed old people or they blamed the young people or they blamed the people who had a different theology to them or they blamed people who didn't have a Church of Christ background or they blamed people who were traditionalists or they blamed people who were radical. And one Sunday I felt God leading me to say, brothers and sisters, your enemy is not sitting in this seat. Your enemy is not at home lamenting that they've had to leave their church. Your enemy is like a roaring lion and he has brought you down. He has brought you down because he's made you believe that you've been wounded by other people by their own will and, and decision. But you have been wounded by people who, and you have wounded people when you have failed to resist the devil and make him flee from you. And what Paul is writing about in this passage is exactly that. There is a need when there is pain. There is a need for c confession. There is a need for repentance. There is a need for reconciliation. And all that must happen but it can only happen when we recognise that the devil is the enemy.
and we stand together to defeat the enemy. We will never defeat him while we are divided and while we are seeing other people as the enemy. Jesus said that the thing that would indicate that we are different from the rest of the world is that we will love our brothers and sisters. He never said that our brothers and sisters would be easy to love. He said, love them anyway. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you'll find he said, love your enemies, love your neighbours, love your husband or your wife, love your kids. None of those people are easy to love all the time. I'm sure I'm not. But God said that's, that's it. Whether you like it or not, whether you like me or not, you've got to love me. And love means to see me as a sinner saved by grace. Love means you see me as someone who has flaws and faults, just as you do. And the weaknesses that you have are the weaknesses that I have. God has made us frail. But he's given us an invitation. He says, if you stand strong... If you're strong in your heart, you will resist the devil. And if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Is that okay? You understand that? You're with me with that? I know you know that. And then Paul says, as well as being strong in your heart, you need to be well armed. And I love this, this passage, don't you? You know what the bit I love the most is he's is, is given us a sword. That, 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 that appeals to my aggressive nature, you know. Uh, I've not just got an armour, I've got a sword. A little bit like David, take the armour off and give me a sling. I want something that works. And he's given me a sword. But, but the interesting thing is, it's not my sword. It's not the sword of anger. It's not the sword of aggression. It's not the sword of, of resentment. It's not the sword of ego. It's the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. It's not my Word. It's not your Word. It's God's Word. And the sword of the Spirit, the weapon that we are to use in our fight against the devil, is the Word of God. The word of God that we believe, the word of God in which we trust, the word of God that we can speak into the darkness or into the light and it will bear fruit, it will win the victory. You know, I think as I look back on my life as a Christian, I would say that the, the most wonderful thing that God has given to me is his word. That there are times in my life when I face temptation and I have realised that, that there's a lion being crossed. God's word shows me there's a lion that is crossed. When I'm tempted to be angry with somebody, God shows me that there's a lion, and the lion is God's word, and God's word says, love. God's word says, be angry and sin not. Love. And so I take my anger not out on the person or out on myself, but I take my anger to God. Say, God, I'm angry. 
And I need you to bring calm and peace into my life right now. And sometimes he does that in, in an instant. You're in a situation where your response, your natural response is going to be angry and you remember there's a line drawn by God's word. I cannot cross that line. I need to resist the devil at this point. That's the battle. The battle is being present in the battle. It's about being present in a situation, not, not doing what you like in the situation and then going away and repenting later or telling God you're sorry because the damage has been done. You've already broken somebody's heart. You've already uh, put somebody down. You've already made somebody feel worthless. So take the stand. Take the stand. It's not, it's not hard to do, to do, but it is hard to remember. Do you know why? You've got a, we talked about this last week, I think, but we have in our brain a thing called an amygdala. You've heard about amygdala? It's a real, you know, before artificial information was, uh, intelligence was ever heard of, God gave us a computer more able and powerful than anything man can develop. And that amygdala is a warning system. It's like a fire, a smoke detector. And whenever something happens that, that seems like a threat to us, like, like we're afraid we're going to be devalued or we're afraid we're going to be abandoned or we're afraid we're going to be attacked, the amygdala goes off. And it closes down our cognitive processes and it revs up our emotional processes. And you're at the mercy at that moment of your amygdala. If something, if one of your children, one of your little children is in danger, the amygdala goes off. And you will do things with strength and speed that you've never dreamt about at any other time because of that. Now, that'll save your life, and that is great. But when that amygdala goes off, when somebody says something that upsets you or something that you see as a threat, then you've only got a split second to make the decision to trust God in this, to allow him to work through us. It's tough, and that's why we, we won't succeed every time. But it's got to be our commitment to succeed every time. You have got gifts to give people around you. Do you know that? When, when you're working with people, living with people, relating to people, you've got gifts to give them. Gifts of encouragement, gifts of affirmation, the gift of a smile, the gift of a, uh, uh, of a warm touch, whatever it might be. Don't ever withhold the gifts that God has given you, even when they're getting up your nose, even when they're upsetting you, you've got to remember there's a line that we must not cross. When we cross that line, it causes pain, and when it causes pain, it causes division. And that's what we're often dealing with. Okay? With us there, so that's, that's important. So... I love the, the fact that we have the sword of the Spirit 
but but we have other other parts other equipment that helps us to fight against the evil one the evil one is described as as evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's amazing, isn't it? What a description of the, the spiritual enemy that we fight. He is not powerless. He, he has authority. He has authority in heaven and in earth. Now, we know that he can only go so far because Jesus has defe defeated him on the cross and one day he, he will be finished. But right now he still has authority. We give him. Humanity gives him authority. Satan came to take away that authority. Jesus came to take away that authority but, but in a sense he still wields authority when we give it to him in our lives. And he rules in the high places, in the spiritual high places. We need to remember that. We need sometimes to think about the supernatural world in which we are living. And we need to think about the spiritual world that will have no power over us only when we resist it, only when we're trusting God for the victory. So... What has he given to us to fight this? He says, this equipment includes a helmet to protect our mind, the helmet of salvation. That is the hope we have in God, the hope of sins forgiven, the hope of heaven, the hope of Christ's return. We're living in this hope because of our salvation. You trusted in Christ at some point in your life you invited him into your life at some point of your life he became your residential savior at some point in your life he lives in you in the person of the holy spirit sometimes when i think about god living in me i wonder whether people can see him looking through the windows if i'm his house to does God see, does people see me, see God looking through the windows of the house? And he dwells in us and, and because of that we have hope. We have hope that we can resist the devil. We have hope in, in forgiveness. We have hope in eternal life. We have hope that Jesus is returning. I love the helmet. What an important thing. And, and it is important to remember that it is our mind that needs the most protection, okay? Because it's what we think dictates how we live. It's what we think dictates how we feel. It's what we think dictates how we act. If I think that I'm a useless, worthless person and somehow that message has got across to me in my childhood and I've never given it up, it's always there, it's a basic belief, that belief will bring me down all the time but if I surrender that to God and I know that through salvation I am now a child of God and I I'm not useless and I'm not worthless I am gifted by the spirit because he loves me then I will win the victory every time it's it's as simple really as that so we have a helmet and we have 
I love the shoes. I love the shoes. You know, he said, put on the shoes of peace. Well, the shoes in those days were were made out of, for the soldier, was made out of brass. And they were made out of brass because the enemy would spread the ground with glass and, and steel chips and all sorts of things that would cut into their feet and that would destroy their sandals. So they wore these special shoes, war shoes, made out of brass. We walk through life and there are many things that are there to hurt us. There are snares we can get into. But God has thought of that and he said, I'm, I'm shedding your, putting on your feet shoes of peace. So you will walk through difficult times. You will walk through war zones. But you'll go with peace. The peace surpasses all understanding. The peace of God in your hearts. But when we walk with shoes that, that represent shame or represent us carrying a load of unforgiven sin or let... Uh, uh, continues with a sort of a, a conflictual attitude, then we w we're in trouble. Those shoes will not stand the, the territory that we are to walk on. So we've got a helmet on one end and our shoes on the other and then we have the whole armour of God and we're told oh no we've got something else we've got something to carry a shield a shield now you you know about the shield don't you it wasn't a little shield it wasn't just something that parried off personal arrows or personal danger it was a big shield and when the Roman soldiers would be um, setting siege on a city and the soldiers would be on, the enemy would be on the wall firing arrows at them, they would build a circle. <laughs> they would build a circle with the shields and they would kneel down behind their shields together. There might be 12 or 20 soldiers behind a wall of shields. So those shields were not just for my personal protection, they were to protect my brothers and sisters as well. And the shield is the shield of faith. Shield, shield, pardon? Shield of faith. And that, and shield of righteousness. Not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. It protects the front of our body, not our back. You know why? Because... You don't turn your back on the devil. You face him head on and we have a shield to protect our front. We must meet him with what is in our heart. It is the faith in Christ. Our shield is not only for us but for our fellow warriors. We must not put our faith in anything other than Christ but it is... Christ's righteousness that connects us to Christ. You know, I know that I am his because he has placed 
his righteousness in my heart. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that I am righteous like he was. It means that God sees me as he sees Christ. He sees me as redeemed. He sees me as his own. He sees me as his property, righteous. And then, but then we have our whole armour that we are to put on. And this armour covers our whole body and is held together. This armour is, uh, is, is held together by a belt and it's the belt of truth. It's a belt of truth. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. What's the truth? The truth is that we have been created in the image of God. The truth is that though we are deeply fallen, we are completely redeemed. The truth is we have been adopted into the family of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. The truth is that the Holy Spirit has transformed our broken, wounded human spirit into a healed spirit, a spirit that's now responsive to Christ. The truth is that he has given us gifts to use as part of the body of Christ. The truth is that he has called you into the church. You don't have an option. You belong to the church because that's God's plan. The church is the gathering of God's people in the world. The church is the expression of Christ in the world and you and I are part of that. Even if we never went to church, even if we didn't belong to a physical church, we are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Every time we meet with another Christian, we are the church. Every time we go to work in a secular situation, we are the church. Every time we relate to somebody uh, that regards us as an enemy, we are the church. And we are to fight the battle, not on human terms, and in human ways, but with God's word and God's truth and God's love and God's grace. Have you ever stopped to think how much God loves you? How much he loves us? We're going to do something right now that's going to remind us about that. We're going to share communion together. But I don't want you to focus on everything that the communion speaks to us about. I want you to focus on this is a, vi a visible picture of Jesus doing warfare on our behalf. This is a picture of God doing warfare against the devil, his arch enemy, on our behalf. What did it take? It took obedience it took commitment it took it took courage his body was broken his spirit was unbroken 
and he went to the cross to die for us. He may have called you to a similar place in your life where you also are going to need to take your stand because of his love for you. And that's what we're going to think about as we take the cup, the bread and, and the wine and as we share, as we share in this as a reminder of how deeply the Father loved us. Let's just do that in the quietness of this time. Putting on the armour of God, we are to stay alert and we are to pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. And then as a final farewell to them, he says, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful farewell? That's what I want you to take away with you today. As a Christian who knows that the people who have wounded you are not your enemies, your friends who you've been called to love and hopefully they will understand the same truth and in that strength you'll go but you'll carry with you the peace of the Lord Jesus and you'll carry with you the love and faithfulness of God into every situation and may you know the grace of God being eternally on you. Let's just join together in prayer and I'm going to invite you just to speak to God. What's your response to whatever God has said to you this morning? He may have spoken to you through the word. He may have spoken to you through something I've said. Or he may have spoken to you quite independently of those things. What's he calling you to do? What's he challenging you to do? 
respond to him and say, Lord, I am willing to do what you are calling me to do, to live as you are calling me to live. I see my Saviour and I see what he was willing to do for me. And I offer up my life, my ego, my feelings. I offer them up to you in his name.